me just shoot the dog. Perfect answer to your question there. Where can you walk for the rest of it? Welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 20. AKA Big Man Push Pram, AKA Hey You Horrorface. It's Fall Summation, all 525 songs in Declaration of Essential Title Holder, Unbroken Something, maimed into four stints of occupancy 77, 85, 86, 93, 94, 2001, 2002, 2017. Up tonight, Wings versus Printhead. Xmas with Simon up against Overture from Curious Orange, My Ex-Classmates Kids up against Recipe for Fascism, and Mike Loves Zexagon up against Stoutman. And as always, joined by Michelle Pippington Beehard, pumping and trumping in hazy suspended animation. How are you, Philip? Capital, capital. Very good. And Lord Sage Temple carrying his vest around, as always. How are you, young man? It's cold outside, but the vest is snug. Beautiful. And the Peverton Walker. Everything is at stake as the world gathers for climate talks. How are well, you? Well, I'm, I'm doing my bit to reduce my carbon footprint further uh, by having a broken gas boiler. So uh, reducing me, I put considerably. So it's, uh, it's cold inside. Very good. And, and obviously they won't turn up to fix it. So that will extend that period thus. No, it better I've, for everyone. I've been doing it for a week now, so I'm really like reducing that footprint considerably. <laughs> Very good. It's what we expect. And uh, Tim Three, aka the DJ formerly known as Peel, slightly titillated and pondering whether cardstock or vinyl sleeve was better in the nineties. Still down there, the sixth ring of hell, I imagine, is he? Yeah, he's lucky up, but drunk on rhubarb punch. Oh la la. And myself, Treebeard's the host, lightly sourced and pasteurized. And so before we get into the main event, our friend Alistair over there has a futures and pasts where we look at things that have influenced the fall band group and things that were influenced by said group. What's on the menu tonight, Alistair? Well, rather controversially, went for a, a very tenuous link by selecting the research guide to incredibly strange music because uh, it's been a good compilation. Um, fall Connection for be uh, I'm a Mummy, which the Fall covered. It's a bomb fan and door, isn't it? I think Smith must have heard that. Uh, and I think he'll have been aware of a lot of the research stuff because of uh, all the magazines that they used to do. Underground things. Started off with a uh, Search and Destroy zine, which was like partly funded by Ginsberg, uh, named after the Stooges song. And it kind of kicked off uh, the zine scene in the the underground US kind of thing that was going on at the time that didn't get much publicity elsewhere. I suppose like similarly, I'd like sniffing glue over in the UK. I just kind of like got dragged into all that kind of stuff, uh, going back to the 90s, the mid-90s, where inf- you didn't have the internet, media completely different. And if you had to find something that was interesting, you really had to look hard. Because over here, like the NME, shite, Melody Maker, shite, all from IPC, covering the same stuff, completely self-interested. You could buy yourself the front cover, you know, really corrupt. But yeah, some imported media was interesting. And it wasn't tied to like ass licking stars or corporations. So you had the likes of Maximum Rock and Roll that were really good, just covered sort of like punk stuff. Uh, all independent, they won't cover any stuff on major labels. 
You had The Baffler, which also was like really quite interesting journal. I think it was episode five, which was all about the music industry. And there was a really good uh, Steve Albini article in that called something like uh, Accessorize Your Descent in a way that is so obsolete. It's which is really good. And Anson May, that was uh, very controversial. Uh, very good read, though. I think they only did like four or five episodes of them. I'm not going to mention which one the, the last one was because that was just bang out of order. But uh, they, they did the murder issue where they basically encouraged you to go out and murder people. Yeah, Peel and Kershaw was as good as you got. But when this sort of rolled up, Research Guide Volume 2, and yeah, it just it was kind of blew my mind and ended up listening to some of the, the, this crazy stuff when uh, everybody else was listening to Blur and Oasis. Uh, so do you want to stick a tune on, Phil? I'm putting Jean-Jacques Perry on first. <laughs> it's the kind of song that you should like play to kids when you're giving them loads of sugar and just watch them go mad. But yeah, Sean Jack Perry, brilliant. Um, worked a lot with uh, Harry Brewer and her uh, Sean Kingsley. He uh, did solo stuff himself, and uh, his version of Eleanor Rigby is pretty cool. He did like early on before he started doing all these um, solo kind of records, and that he did two songs that were used in a psychiatric hospital, which were all about uh, you know positive and negative effects that music can have on people. And it was used for uh, insomniacs. It was introduced to uh, the USA via Edith Piaf. Started hanging around with Bob Moog uh, and turned out some uh, cracking LPs. Um, inside, inside from Way Out and uh, Moog Indigo, uh, two of my favourites there. But do you want to crack on with another one, Phil? We can do, yeah. <laughs> One year I had to write a school play. I, I bought one online and it was garbage, so I rewrote it and I put in a bunch of stuff and it had a spooky theme and we, we put this in and the kids acted out uh, I'm a mummy as part of the, um, part of the play and um didn't go down well, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. Then that one was Bob McFadden, and um, he was like a voice actor and a singer. Uh, and uh, you, if you remember Thundercats, uh, he was Snarf, the little one that was Snarf, Snarf. There's, there's uh, some great outtakes of, have you, have you listened to the Thundercat outtakes that they're up on YouTube? Very funny. Not. He does the line wrong and he just starts cussing in, in Snarf's <laughs> voice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, from that LP, uh, there's a song that Voivod's nicked Blank Generation from, and it's uh, called Beat Generation. So there you go. Uh, a bit of punk rock influence for you. But yeah, do you want to get on with the, the, the next one? Hey, 
Rumour has it that that was Paul McCartney farting into a microphone uh, to get those those synth effects. It's a popular rumour, yeah, and uh, asked her. But yeah, hot butter, uh, it's not good for your cholesterol levels, um, but they're best known for the cover of Popcorn, which is a bit of a, an international hit, which was mentioned by, uh, which was written by uh, King uh, Sean Kingsley, who I mentioned earlier. But the tune Scorking is such a lovely, happy-sounding song. It's like something from Mario World or something, you know. But it's, uh, it's a Zimbabwean tune in the uh, Saba Saba style. If you get a copy of, uh, or if you've got a copy of Swinging Safari by Burt Camfert, there's a version of it on there, which is very nice indeed. Beautiful. So this, you reckon Smith will have heard this, what, via Peel or just through his... Uh... No, I, think, I think through the research stuff, because they were more known for, you know, like the, the written stuff uh, for, for the journals that they did. Um, Ezra did ask you for some specific uh, bodily fluid related Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. The research gets a bodily fluid. It's just another example of the sort of stuff that they'd be doing. Yeah, take a jaunty look at a, a subject. But, you know, they, they did loads of stuff around punk rock and writers especially. Um, what's the name of the guy did now? Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan, yeah, they did what they did a, a big feature on him. Terry Wogan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Terry Wogan's Naked Brunch. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was it, it was an amazing thing, research. Uh, I don't know if they still publish now. Seriously, if you, if you see any of their journals, just pick them up because even if it's something that you, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm not that interested in, uh, you'll be surprised how they, how they kind of like drag you into it. That's all I have to say. Well, that, that's great. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that link. And oh, we're happy to delve into it. You, you missed out on the Lucia Pamela uh, tune here, Walking on the Moon. Here we go. I'll play it now. Oh, go on. Brilliant. What about that Flossie and the Unicorn stuff you posted? Was that related or was that just for fun? That was just for fun. That's on Skin Graft, that's Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Damn fine label. Damn fine label. Right. Where is it? It's going to be a minute. Well, I can tell you a little bit about Lucia Pamela first. Uh, she did one LP, which was Into Outer Space with Lucia Pamela, where she plays all 15 instruments on it and does the vocals. And this track is from it. And it, it's basically an LP all about taking a trip to the moon and meeting loads of animals. And she did a colouring book as well uh, about her adventures on the moon. And Stereo Labricor did a tribute to her uh, called International Colouring Contest on the uh, Mars Audiac Quintet LP. Let's take a walk on the moon. Come on, come on, come on. Every time I take a trip, I'm sure to meet my friends. From the sky, they fly high. This is a love from them. As I was walking on the moon, I met a little cow, and this is what she said to me. Da 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 and wonderful. Like research, they were covering Throbbing Gristle in 1982, J.G. Ballard, they did like the incredibly strange films, you know, stuff about freaks and um, yeah, strange music stuff, all good. Three, three. All right, so that brings us to the main event this evening. First up, we have Wings up against Printhead. He gave us a blast of Wings from a perverted by language era. It was the B-side to Kick of Conspiracy, as you well know. 
Yes, Ezra, you've uh, been sitting there listening to events unfolding around you. What do you make of Wings? I would say that any Fall fan worth their salt would agree that it's one of their very best tracks. It kind of came to my mind is that it it started joining dots with me to uh, Alan Moore's fairly recent enormous doorstop of a novel, which is called Jerusalem, which I haven't yet finished reading. In the novel... All of time and space is kind of squished together into like a kind of enormous um, bricklayer pancake. So all of history is just one long kind of object in space. In my mind, there's a real kind of parallel here because obviously it's a song about time travel. A small alteration of the past can turn time into space. You know, I think one of Moore's aims is that he wants to kind of level history. Uh, He wants to include working class he wants to include like you know the forgotten and the damned there's also this in wings because you know first of all there's the academic who's beaten by a pile of dusty magazines which are doubtless terrible proletariat what's on tv type gossip stuff there's the gremlins fiddling with the uh, aeroplanes and beleaguering the passengers. And then finally, there's the soldiers shooting their sergeant. You know, to me, there's kind of an interesting parallel there where they're both kind of focusing on the uh, importance of the underclass and its kind of opposition to uh, the controlling upper classes. And it, again, it's got this wonderful fucking video transcendent video. I mean, the, the final shot is just one of my favorite things where. At first, you're looking at what seems to be an aerial shot of a pub, and it pans back, and it's just a photograph of the pub, in the pub. It's just perfect. It's great. Yeah. Beautiful. That whole video shot for a tenor, can you believe it? And uh, Lee Ronaldo from Sonic Youth, saving behind the bar as a guest spot. Alistair, what do you make of this? As Ezra said, real true fans would love it. So this is a test. Well, the first thing I've got written here is hard-hitting, top-of-the-league stuff. Uh, It's bloody great. There's a really good version of it live. I think it was in New Zealand. Yeah, great lyrics, pretty heavy stuff going on. But yeah, nice stompy drums, bass and guitar kind of relentless again with some lovely feedback noises right at the beginning, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the monks and how they used to use feedback. Uh, Have you read that book yet, Phil? Have you you started? A relentless groove with a really nice chilled out drop down bit in it, and uh, yeah, the videos are all right. Old tricks. It's a it's like pub impress, which it's one of those things. It's a, a bit of a timepiece, really, for how, uh, how, how pubs used to be. But yeah, love the song. Sweet. And as we've now firmly established, Phil, only real true fall fans. Anyone who says anything bad about this song at all really shouldn't be here. So, so what do you think? Well, let's, let's see if I pass that test now, Brandon. I think there's some strange production choices on this tune. I think the, the, the levels are 
interesting. I, I think that the, the incredibly tinny guitar that almost feels like it's going to evaporate before it hits your ears. The, the stomping drums, the bass, which seems to be sort of struggling to make its way into the into the general arena of sound. Um, I all thought it was a bit odd, really. Um, but I do think, I think the song suits the structure, they've put it in the really repetitive riffing that goes on and the, the one break that appears is quite nice. But then I... I, I really struggle to warm to this. I've, I've heard it before, like, but it's uh, given it a bit more of a focused listen. I'm I'm a huge fan of weird fiction, and I love what Smithy normally does with that kind of thing. A little bit of Ambrose Bias, a little bit of Ashton Clark Smith, maybe a little bit of Lovecraft as well in terms of the mood that he's getting going. But it all just felt a little bit forced to me. It felt a little bit by the numbers, apart from the opening gambit of his of his flabby wings which that was quite funny but um i think in terms of the other stuff it just doesn't quite gel together for me like ezra though i did really like the video the videos of smashing snapshots of that time and that sort of shining-esque final shot of the the photograph i thought was uh, was a nice touch but i'm obviously not a fall fan because it just didn't work for me so uh so i'll, I'll see you and uh, good luck with the rest of the podcast. Yeah, so that's a call. Like anyone listening would need a fourth member of the crew. Perhaps will be somebody who at least will give them the time of day. I um, the musically, yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of stuff about people going on about the riff, and it's okay. It's it's kind of repetitive and hypnotic. It gets there, but I don't think it's one of the top tier Scanlan riffs. But it's nice, it digs in, it's repetitive and makes a kind of like backdrop for the story, which I did kind of dig. So I've been listening to the early Philip K. Dick sci-fi stories and they're super cheesy, the Twilight Zone. You can see the twist coming a mile off and uh, it's like that and it's got its charm. And they paid off the gremlins with stuffing from his wings and the stuffing loss make me hit a time lock. It's just so, just so bad. It's like it made me hit a time lock. So there's a Philip K. Dick story where they, um, because of some bombing, there's a time quake and the whole house moves through time. And they, the, and they, the, this family wakes up in a, in a place where basically there's a, is a fascist state. And um, they managed to persuade the science guy to let them stay in the house one more night because there's a big bombing raid happening. And they're hoping that the bomb will shock them back to exactly where they came from. And of course, lo and behold, spoiler, it does. And it, it reminded me very much of this. It's like, oh, I need to get back. And now I've just, uh, the, the lucky hit made me hit a time lock when he got shot, caught in the crossfire of the um, of the murder under the bridge. But then reading into it, it's kind of the Manchester Martyrs kind of thing. There, there might be a little bit more to dig into in terms of the background, but yeah, it's a pretty cheesy and silly story. But um, it kind of charmed its way into my into my heart. So phew, thankfully I am a fall fan, so that's good. <laughs> What I did, what I just said, which which really resonated with me, is that I, in those individual vignettes that he sort of piles together in this song, I think any one of them would make for an interesting story or an interesting song or a narrative or whatever. But yeah, it was a bit unfisted for me. Fair enough. What does our friend I'll, I'll leave now? Okay, well, let's just hear what Tim Tim has to say first before you go. A notable classic tale of macabre and mysterious. Brilliant, and it baffles me that it was a B-side. It doesn't baffle me, but there you go. 
short but to the point and he makes the grade as well so that's good news it is up against tonight printhead of dragnet an album that we have given much love to so far so let's see what we make of this one t-shirts and you are a face i'm a printhead i got a piece of Alistair, face. what did you make of this? I used to be a printer. It was a lot of fun. No, it wasn't. It was boring as shit. Um, yeah, it's nice punky old school folk kind of stuff. Uh, fairly standard from the early era. It's good, but I think there's still better ones from this era. Yeah, kind of poppy punky, but awkward and edgy. It'd be interesting to hear it faster. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. Right on. Phil, print head. So yeah, very competent punk. Um, as I've already said, I'm not the world's biggest punk fan. It's fun to play, but it's not the kind of thing I normally stick on the turntable. It's not really what I <laughs> come to the fall for. Really like the guitar tone and the recording. Um, and we're back to them busy drums again, aren't we? The old bidum drum fills every 30 seconds. A lot more lively performance, lots of yelps and squeaks, and even a bit of Lydon creeping in from time to time with some of his inflections on his vocals. And stuff. One thing, did, is the lead guitar at the end of it, did they use that same riff or lick or whatever in another song from the same era? I was, I, Isn't it a Sex Pistols riff? Because I'm pretty sure it, it's... Um... Ding, da, 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 ding, da, 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 That's like, was it in, in City by the jam? It sounds like in the, in the city as well. And there's a story of Sid Vicious and Paul Weller having a fight because uh, if Sid Vicious said, oh, Weller said we were ripping off the jam. And, and, and his mate said, but you did. <laughs> I ever, don't know. Whatever that Sex Pistols song's called, about anarchy. This is as close as maybe they get to the Pistols in terms of sound. And the Pistols I'm not a huge fan of. It is a bit grimy, a bit more garagey. Reminds me of the sound that Yummy Fur, the Scottish band, I really like. They they kind of took this sound. It's a bit angular. It's a little bit wonky. And I think they took another few steps down the line and made it a little bit more obnoxious. That's what I really like about that. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah, I give you that as well. It's a competent kind of garagey rock song, and uh, I really like it. I'd put it on a, if I was like if I was trying to inculcate people to the fall, as we've said before. I might put this on a on a tape for someone to say this this is what they do don't listen to anything else and then we trap them with recipe for fascism got you got you now anyway that's it that's all i've got to say <laughs> so what do you think about printhead yeah it's a fun little fumble behind the bike sheds this is a song about the, the uh, music press which we spoke of their legendary corruption and favoritism earlier on in this podcast another thing that i would be interested in is uh, trying to find which is the fall's best attack on the music industry track i love the uh, you know the singer is a neurotic drinker the band little more than a big crashing beat instruments collide and we all get drunk 
And then at the end, with print, you substitute an ear for an extra useless eye, which I had to think about for a while. But I suppose the eye is a synonym for um, eye, as in the ego. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, he actually took that from a review, apparently. The interesting thing I thought was actually from the annotated four, they printed out um interview, part of an interview with Marky e. Smith, where he says, talking about the music press, they get away with loads of things because they think journalism is a subculture, which it isn't. And I was like, yeah, you know, if ever there was a warning for what's happened to culture in general today, this would be one of them. Now everybody seems to think that journalism or the media is a subculture or something. And it's just terrible. It's horrible. New Puritans. There's a, there's a song by Half Man, Half Biscuit called A Bad Review, which is a, a very funny response to... Exactly. He will use this soapbox at any point to get back at anybody who crosses his path. Stuart Lee is always talking in interviews about how Smith would change the lyrics and sing about him when he was there, but I don't think that ever happened. I think that was... <laughs> what does Tim Three think about this song of Printhead? I'll find out for you then, shall I? Yes, please. He's well, he's still wobbling around on the rhubarb punch. Another classic, full of guts and bile, prime early fall. Yes, indeed. It's kind of a tricky one. In fact, all four matchups this evening, I've, I really have enjoyed all eight songs, which doesn't happen every week and it's been hard to pick. I'm not going to tell you yet because I haven't decided. So, Phil, what do you think? Printed. Right on. Ezra? Labby Wings. Nice. Al? Without it, any doubt whatsoever, it's Wings. Interesting. Tim? <laughs> Wings swings it by a nose. Oh, Allah. So my vote does not matter. But I think Wings just eat it for me because I do like the... Just like the turn of phrase, I, I hit a time lock. It's just so bad. It's, it, it's so bad as a science fiction, um, <laughs> as a plot device. <laughs> it's the kind of stuff the kids in my school write all the time. And then oh, I remembered it was my birthday. <laughs> It's a feature, it's not a bug. <laughs> exactly. I agree, I agree. But up next, Exmouth with Simon, which was a B-side again, Extra K, you're in 1990, up against Overture from Curious Orange. That's <laughs> You are up first, Xmas with Simon. It's, <laughs> it's quite funny. It made me laugh. Thought the lyrics were quite charming, and he gets away with stuff that only Smithy could really get away with uh, in these, especially that pun on dessert and desert, uh, which did tickle me. He's got this really kind of gauche single key chord 
kind of Frank Sidebottom preset thing going on, hasn't it? As the backing in the music and then these strange warm backing vocals that you don't really expect from the fall coming in over the top. It kind of grew on me, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure what to make at first, but uh, after a few listens, uh, I, I kind of warms to this one. One of the better Christmas tunes. Better than, sorry Ezra, better than Blue Christmas. Well, you know what kind of fall fan would say that, don't we? I think it's far better than it deserves to be for it for as you say, a preset tinny christmas song i wondered at first whether the exposition simon was going to refer to simon libon and, and um, the band-aid kind of thing i wondered again pity the people in the desert was a was a dig at the live aid band-aid kind of thing there won't be snow in africa this christmas but I don't think so. Born in a barn surrounded by animals, no set amount to the number of diseases. Died at the age of 33, which is as good a time as any. <laughs> and apparently Smith was 33 when this uh, single came out. So all the music, I think, made by Simon Wilsoncroft. He liked his little tinny keyboard and he liked to play around with that stuff. And um, I actually liked it a lot. And uh, it would go on a Christmas playlist for me any day of the year. Ezra, what do you think? I'm not at all upset to say that it's better than Blue Christmas. Many things are, after all. It's probably better than Blue Monday as well, to be honest. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would also accept that. Uh, yeah, within the genre of Christmas songs, this is actually so good. I think it's probably knocked Darlene Love off the number one spot for me. It's pure gold. You beat me to the punch with the no set amount to the number of diseases, which just makes me laugh every time I hear it. And the great backing vocals, which are just going, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's just splendid beyond belief this song it's great novelty christmas anytime for me alistair this has got to be up your street surely yeah it's, it's a it's a funny one in a kind of fall doing novelty songs again but you know he's, he's got that charm and you can tell that they, they, they're enjoying themselves and you know they're having a laugh they're taking the pick like quite a bit yeah it's like the backing vocals that i thought it very funny, but it got me thinking about nativity players, and I was thinking, you know, you never see like these kids nativity players where they do uh, they, like the King Edward slaughtering all the babies bit because that'd be bloody brilliant if they did. But you know, alas, not so far uh, to my knowledge. But yeah, uh, it was it was an all right little tune. Aye. And what about Timothy? What has he scribbled? Christmas with Simon. More dead. More track sounds with board mark. Christmas with Simon. More demo track. Simon. I'll put the voice. Shall I put the voice? I'll do the voice. Do the voice. Christmas with Simon. <laughs> Christmas with Simon. More demo tracks sounds with board. It's his writing. He doesn't like it anyway. Up next, overture from Curious Orange. Let's have a blast of that. Do it. So do it now. Yes, please.
anyway. It was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the fuck am I talking about? I want to see My mommy. That was. Overture from Curious Orange, from the Curious Orange 1988 ballet uh, spin-off album. I put down, it's got a nice college rock sound, reminding me a little bit of R.E.M. with some some Johnny Marr arpeggios definitely in there. I think Scanlon had been listening to his Smith's albums and Bricks doing a, a Smith impression. All in all, though, it's a little bit slight. What does Ezra think of this one? I thought adult-oriented indie. I liked Brix's old man impersonation. It only just occurred to me when you said it, she might be uh, impersonating Mark. <laughs> and by the sounds of it, adding at least a decade to his age. Pre-cooked, um, But yeah, you know, there's, there's not much to it. It probably works well in the context of the album, I suppose. Indeed. Alistair? I don't think it's one of the better ones on the album, really. Kind of a, a bit lame. Don't really go anywhere. I hate the guitar sound. All the, the sort of using lyrics from old fall tunes in there as well, I thought was pointless. Yeah, it's a bit of a filler. I'll put you down as a maybe then, shall I? Phil? Who wanna run to you? It does sound like that, though, doesn't it? I like that. I, I like that Ryan Adams song. Yeah. Uh, I think it's because of the same fucking riff, which came out four years before. I'm not tolerating <laughs> rebashed Ryan Adams riffs. It, it's a bit weird, isn't it, compared to stuff off this album. And we've been we've been very positive about the other stuff, but whilst also recognising that it's a slightly different purpose that the music's serving on this on this stuff, isn't it? Because it's the soundtrack to a different kind of performance. This one just doesn't stand up, I think. The other stuff has merit and is worth listening to individually, whereas this, even even ignoring, which is impossible to do, the Brian Adams bit, is, doesn't really work. It's a bit boring. It is an outlier, but not in a good way, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you've got to snap out of it, lion Call the Thundercats before! Shut up, you fuck. I have to do that again. All right, wheels have come off here. Let's get back to business. What does Tim 3 think of this wonderful overture? I suspect he's a big fan of Brian Adams. Fine stuff. Clearly had a purpose on stage, but not essential. Told you. Big Brian Adams fan, that's Tim 3. Exactly. I heard that he had a picture of Brian with his camera. Camera on one side of his nipple. Brian himself. I've heard that he kisses him with tongs. Let's take a vote. We asked everybody. It's that time in the evening, isn't it, where I start to lose my way. Xmas with Simon versus Overture from Curious Orange. Alistair? Xmas with Simon for me. Ezra? I'm going with Jesus. Yes, here's the answer. Here's the reason for the season. Philip? The X in Christmas is a substitute cross. I was trying to think of that earlier. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't think of it. <laughs> yes, Christmas for John Quays. Yesmas, that's what I call it. <laughs> And I'm also, and uh, I'm guessing Tim is. Should we all guess? That's an easy one, isn't it? Xmas is Overture. three. He's, he's put Brian Adams is the best. Shall <laughs> I tell you about my Brian Adams? He's, a, he's an effing disgrace. All right. Now, let's hear from Are You Are Missing Winner 2001, my ex-classmate's kids.
Bastardo! Bastardo! Those riffs were getting recycled at that point. What does uh, T3, Timothy Trois? Seriously, do you want me to tell you about my Brian Adams tattoo? Okay, Garage Rock with a shit recording that sounds like a cheap phone microphone is being blown out. The best bit for me. Ezra? Yeah, this was a fun one. It's got really nice dynamics, I think. It sounds like it's been gated. The fuzz guitar that kind of bursts in every so often kind of um, waxes and wanes in a really nice way that uh, a lot of fall songs seem to have. You know, like it kind of reminds me of Mess of My Age, maybe. There's no clear kind of change in the music, but it just seems to swell and dissipate. And I love the stuff that he's talking about aftershave smelling like twigs. So yeah, you know, it's a it's a thumbs up from me here. Alistair, the other one. Yeah, uh, Alistair. Yum bum. Uh, the production, I really liked it, especially like the drum sound and the way it's like kind of like shifting levels around and they, they kind of like go in the red. That's all good. I mean, always going in the red. It's always going to get thumbs up from me. But it's a bit like when he kind of like wanders around the stage, pissing around with amps, but he's just doing it like a, a shit King Tubby in the studio. I'm normally bad for, for hearing lyrics wrong and it sounded like he's, he's singing that I'll cry for them, I crap for them, which reminded me of Man Bikes Dog with, like, when he's in the hospital and there's the old guy in the bed next to him singing a song about how he shits all day and shits all night. But yeah, it reminds me a bit sort of like Jonathan Richmond, head courtsy type stuff. Yeah, it's a good one. Liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, but shit King Tubby is, is a great line. <laughs> Alistair, well done. <laughs> You get the prize this week. Yeah, I wrote down needs a better mix initially and then I crossed that out because it did grow on me that kind of like tinny, badly mixed or deliberately badly mixed. One of two songs tonight about chubby lads pushing prams around his estate. It seems to have been a bit of a theme. He's just standing at the window having a fag and then he's just like, oh, that'll do. Let's write about that lad walking over there. <laughs> chubby lads pushing prams, eating pies on a shit strewn estate. A lazy garage riff that works well. Sounds like a cover. But uh, I don't think it is. Um, up your nose, aftershave like little twigs, my ex-classmates, kids. It's a novel, a theme for a song to sing about your mate, kids. And I just imagine that they'd come up to him and like torture him because they knew he was like famous or whatever and he, he would just despise them. But he might just despise them anyway for <laughs> without them coming up to talk to him. But a big win for me. Philip, what do you think? I think Shit King Toby is the is the best thing I've heard for a while. This was when the playlist started picking up for me this week, and I, my ears sort of pricked up a bit. The headquarters, I think, is a good touchstone with this. If you're going for that lo-fi sound, this kind of ticks all that aesthetic, doesn't it? I, I really liked it. It's simple, beautiful does exactly what it sets out to do and a very funny angle for writing a song about yeah i i don't think he would like them i don't i don't think he would ever refer to them as schoolmates i don't i don't think that's how he was defining that and yeah i wrote the same lyrics down as well about you know was after show the recycling thing as well I, I took me ages to put my finger on where it, what it was reminding me of i knew it was a song we'd already done it was only this morning where i was like oh yeah what does Terminator 3 think? He's back. With, okay, already done that one. No, we started off with him. Already read that. Okay, Gary's rock with a shit recording that sounds like a cheap phone microphone's being blown out. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's already said it. Wrong. I didn't make it up. Good, I was just checking, testing. And up against Recipe for Fascism. That was easy for you to say. Yeah, if you can play the um, Grammarly advert before as well, that'd be good, you know. 
<laughs> Sub advertising. Sell thousands of books every day, but I didn't write any of them. Is this an attempt at a world tour? The cat, B. The cat, B. He no longer denies or hides his unfondness for met what is unequals. And sure he rides, built up to twelve them, front at the crease. The little he'd learned was of no concern to topics of condition, to me, all vulture of permeation, fine tuning, fine tuning. Indeed, Ezra, recipe for fascism. Yeah, well, it's another fine example of the kind of proletariat concrete that we find spattered across the fall oeuvre, burnt at the crease. The little he'd learned was of no concern to topics of condition to me. All virtue of permeation, fine-tuning, fine-tuning. Now, if that's a recipe for fascism, I'm putting it down in my little red recipe book and cooking up a storm. Make a big batch and keep it in your freezer. Who's next? Alistair, what do you make of this little ditty? I do like it when they uh, start pissing around stuff like we're doing it because we can sort of fucking have it. It reminds me quite a bit of uh, Crimpers, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of it. It's only out of tune guitars, like from the, what sounds like a harmonium or something in the background. And then they get a bit kind of mashy up tapes, splicing vibe thing going on with it. But as a, an audio tapestry, I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, Crimpers being our, our, our experimental band from, from turn of the century. To be honest, if you listen to pretty much almost anything I've been involved with, <laughs> there's a good chance it's going to sound like this. That's um, an experimental emphasis on the mental. Exactly. Philip, what do you think of this? You like The Simpsons, don't you? I'm a big you fan of The Simpsons. You, you like it, don't you? Do you remember that bit where they cancel it to and Scratchy and they show some Eastern European oh, yeah, yeah. variant of it, which lasts for about 10 seconds and is very abstract. To me, that was the first thing that came into my head, that it would it would serve as a suitable soundtrack for one of those Eastern European cartoons. But I, I quite like this. Out of the skitty stuff, that we've done so far this is I guess I, I enjoyed this more than some of the other ones yeah I quite want to and I, I very mysterious words not really sure what he's getting at certainly creates a nice weird atmosphere so and the, the music the music can we call it that I'll go with Ezra's description that's the proletarian concrete over the top I think that suits it quite well it all works yeah so this never really came out until they put the extended deck edition of Levitate out not that long ago so it, it was kind of an unreleased track but it sounds a lot like the stuff on his two solo albums you got Post Neely Man and especially that one um, Panda Panza Panza when we do our Mez solo mini head to head and the first episode of that's coming up relatively soon so be ready we'll be hearing a lot of this kind of stuff <laughs> collage doesn't quite make sense but there's a great title recipe for fascism but yeah i couldn't get from those lyrics anything particularly concrete on the annotated fall they post a couple of interviews where around that time he's talking about how labor essentially the tories now and um how he said 
that they were recipe for fascism. The labor moving centrist blur era left a space for people to start dipping into the BNP. And um, this is neither the time nor the place to get into that. But uh, Oh, contraire, Brandon. Let's, let's get your take on this. Controversial, but I, I'm not a fan of fascism. Um, unless I benefit. I don't I don't like that Adolf. I think he's a real jerk. No. You don't get kids called Adolf nowadays, though, do you? Have you noticed it's banned. That? You actually can't. In Germany, when you register, there are names that you're not allowed to call your kid, and that is one of them. I'm Gunter. The other one is Phil Rigby, surprisingly. <laughs> what does Tim think? We haven't asked him this time, have we? What does he think of recipe for fascism? Fur growing noise with muttering mess. Okay. I think he's just saying that because he knows we'll all like it. He'll get a good roasting if he does if he tells us what he actually thinks. Yeah. It's just just noise in it with him with la- lazy mark with his concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a vote. Ex-classmates, kids versus respiratory fascism. Really tough one for me because I, I really like both of them in uh, for completely different reasons. Phil, which way are you going? I feel a bit bad about not voting for respiratory fascism, but I'm not going to because I thought ex-classmate, kids was the, the better tune. But um, out of all the skits we've done, that's one of my ones I've, I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, I've been trying to think if any of the skits have gone through. I'm not sure whether that whether we'd be saying goodbye to pretty much all of them in uh, uh, during this round, but I uh, hope some get through. Ezra? Like you, Brendan, I'm quite conflicted. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyways, I, I think I will have to go for ex-classmates, kids. Indeed. Alistair? My vote goes for uh, recipe for fascism, I think, because it's a bit more different it was a difficult choice but um, I do like what they're doing on this it'd be a shame if, if we lose it all for the second round shame on you all exactly what does Tim think fascism is at least brief I don't know whether that's a political comment or uh, that's his vote I'm going to take it as his vote which means it's coming down to me I think because we're going to be inundated with this stuff when we do the Mez solo, it's basically going to be Mouse on Mars and then this and shit covers. I'm going to put uh, ex-classmates' kids through. But it was a tough one. Which brings us to the last lineup of the evening, which is Mike Loves Zexagon up against Stoutman. The, the Beach Boys versus the Stooges. You are up first. Zexagon. Yeah. Um, you can see it here, the Beach Boys kind of harmonising going on in the Mike Love. Not a very good egg, really, was it? Well, is it? Uh, is it right twat? Um, I think there's some really good footage of him at uh, an acceptance speech. for. It might be like the Hall of Fame or something like that. We just start slagging off uh, loads of people. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that. It is quite embarrassing. 
But yeah, the guitar riff, I think the bits of it have been recycled and should be a little bit louder. Like the drums as well, like, you know, the stick serving, sort of like Tom Muse in Snare, very kind of like tribal, dead simple, basic, but effective. Nice, noisy guitar in the background is lovely, a bit sonic youthy at times, but should be louder. And as an added bonus, there's a bit of falsetto in there at the end, which is uh, very entertaining. Nice. Philip, what does this do for you? It's, uh, it did a lot for me. I'm a sucker for any of that dark 60s underbelly type stuff, and any of that kind of death of the hippie American dream kind of uh, genre. But uh, I, I really like this. I thought the lyrics were excellent, and the music is absolutely perfect for it. It's uh, they, they seem to pull off not just the sinister thing, but the for a Beach Boys sinister vibe as well. The, uh, the lovely backing vocals that keep coming into it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a bit fun up for me. Nice. I like the backing vocals. I like they were going for the Beach Boys, but it sounded a bit like Blur to me. I don't think they quite hit the heights of some of the majestic five and six part harmonies of brian wilson the country on the click album has a lot of great stuff on there and i I just wonder how much it was due to it leaking and then him going back and having to or wanting to tinker with it all and really make it sound differently without really re-recording stuff a lot of space in there there's some live versions where without those Beach Boys harmonies, it doesn't quite work as as well. But I think with them, that chorus is great. And the worm in the bacon of BB, his name was Love. But how were they to know Mike's, Mike's gift was only poison? And of course, on Pet Sounds, Mike Love famously was the only one not feeding the animals. Um, so hoist the cats away and the mouse he did play. The plots came thick and fast, satanic meditations, shadowy missions. So hoist his music on the mast. Really nice. Good work. Um, I knew this was a good album, but I think we've had like four weeks in a row of a Country on the Click album uh, song, and they've all been spot on. Win, 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 win. What about Timothy? Does he like this? Superb stuff. Crangled. And love the backing vocal and mixing of both versions of it. The buried and muffled drum bits are great. And nothing stays still before shifting a bit so I love it. Sweet Ezra. Does this one tickle your harmonies? It's very horroristic. I love it. I love the way that it comes in with the sound of someone like kind of putting their uh, electric toothbrush over the guitar to make that kind of, you know, hovering mosquito sound. And then you get the burnt drummings coming in. It's very nice. It's very nice. Great backing howls. It's satanically macabre. And I really love the vocal delivery so much. Like there's the, there are a couple of points in it where he just goes like whoop, 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 and I, I just fucking love it every time and then there's the part where he drops in good vibrations and it gets mangled by what sounds like a chaos pad or something like that yeah you know if i was making a film this would definitely be on the soundtrack because it would definitely be a horror film and yeah you know it kind of makes me a little bit sad because i think that if he had survived his health tribulations he could have had a f- fantastic second career as a kind of um, presenter for dark history documentary shows. Reading on the annotated fall, there's another version of this which I've not heard, and I like the lyrics in that, so I'm just going to read some of those. It is the end of a cycle. The angry bits last too long. I did makes a lot of noise. Peace is dying fast, but it better die quick. So yeah, I thought this was sterling stuff. Nice. Mine to fit well on on the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino 
film because that's got that dark vibe and has Beach Boysy kind of references and Manson and all that. But uh, very good work indeed. And that's back from way back in 2003, and it is up against Stout Man, which is essentially cock in my pocket by the Stooges. And when I say essentially, I mean exactly. Off sublingual tablet 2015. <laughs> Return of Growly Mark. Fast, flashy, punky. It's not long enough to get boring. Fun whilst it's on, uh, but I didn't miss it when it was gone. I love, I'm a big fat man pushing a little pram. Maybe my favourite lyric of the week, but just so stupid. So stupid. Uh, shut your trap, skinny, go and shit your brain. I'm a wide problem or a pot-bellied Elton John. Um, so basically he told, apparently Smith was talking to the lads in the band and was saying, you don't know anything about the Stooges. You just think it's, I want to be your dog or whatever. So we'll go out. All right. All right. Then cunt, go and learn cock in my pocket. Try and find that. Cause it's not on any of their LPs, but of course they did because it's on fucking eBay or something. And, or oh, they fucking shazammed it. So I said, learn it. It was a challenge. The group took up the challenge almost too much for Mark's liking. They'd been tricking me. They'd been sneaking back in the studio to keep tightening it back up. I couldn't catch them out, but in the car on the way to London, I was looking behind the seat and there was a CD covered in dirt with the original rough mix. I made them use that. <laughs> They'd been doing about eight or nine versions of it. It was pathetic. And, and it literally is like, it's cocking my pocket by the studios. But the interesting thing is, and I, I doubt this is intentional, but if it is, it's brilliant. The, the kind of hedonistic idiot in cocky my pocket that's wandering around with his knob in his hand <laughs> hitting people with it as kind of juxtaposed with this fat stout man having to push the pram around the estate going down to the shops for the toilet roll and coming back is as far away from that character as possible and i would love if that's what smith actually meant benefit the doubt rule he gets it what does timothy think it's pot foldy rock and roll about a fat block fair enough what about ezra yeah, it's another fun one. Um, it's There's not much to it, really, other than Marky e. Smith's wonderful, wonderful kind of um, pterodactyl falling into a volcano of piss vocals. Like, um, and <laughs> I, do, I do love the, the imagery. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's got some nice snarl to it. Hi, Alistair. Yeah, I'm also liking the snarl. Um, some good vocal delivery on there. 
Uh, yeah, I did punk in it. I'm interested that the Stooges thing that really stood out for me was the guitar solo, you know, that letter Stooges type solo, I'd say. Uh, but it, I think it would have been great with a, a lo fi production, uh, you know, give it a bit more of a kind of rip offs, infections, garbage punk sound to it. Functional little tune, nice. Eh? All right. I'd actually heard that he found it on a CD that was covered in dirt in the back of a, of a van car seat. If you, if you can believe that. You can believe that. Um, you can believe that. Alistair. And they don't play, they just skip. Obviously, this had been well well protected, wouldn't it? Hasn't it? Wouldn't it? An old seat. It can't have been that dirty then, can it? No, it can't no. have been. But you can hear a little bit of that grime, but as uh, Alistair Aspinall, oh, no. solution to everything. Put it in the red. And it usually works. It's a sensible solution. All right. So let's take a vote. I'm going to go with Stoutman. Phil. I call it the hexagon. Ezra. Zexagon eyes. Timothy. Mike's love, of course. Alistair. I voted for Brian's brother. Exactly. And so what that means is, going through into round two, we have Wings, we have Xmas with Simon, we have my ex-classmates' kids, and we have Mike loves Zexagon. Now, I do have to talk about last week when um, I had to go into the numbers and do some fiddling around, and it turns out that Rod actually did beat Big New Prince by a single solitary point when we got the actual figures from Tim 3. And so... Yeah, but like we said, there was a hanging chat there. Uh, I think we need to do this one again. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll pencil it in for a special, maybe. With only... Recap! Recap! <laughs> Four more years. With plenty of time left on the clock... What's your favourite song of the evening? Ezra, what's your favourite? Ah, uh, this is a toughie. They're, they're, they were all great, as you said. But yeah, I will go for Wings. I like it a lot. Sweet. Alistair? Is that uh, Wings or Mike Love's Six again? Good, good. Philip? Mike Love, he was the, the tall, annoying one, wasn't yeah, he? I was yeah, yeah. I'm not as into the Beach Boys as, as you are, because you're a huge Beach Boys fan, aren't you? But, I'm uh, a fan. He's the, he's the tall, gangly one, isn't he? He's tall, gangly cousin. Because he has got one of those faces, hasn't he? I, 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 whenever I see his face, I always think, I think you're quite annoying you, aren't you? Yeah, the last thing that he was in the news for, I think, was promoting the Beach Boys for some pro hunting. <laughs> yeah, it was. Then, it was. And then I think Brian Wilson and a couple of others were like, "Please don't support my loves uh, use of the Beach Boys name to support whale throttling." That book is good. Brian Wilson's uh, autobiography. Uh, nice. Brian. He's brilliant. Uh, well, it's, there's some. Uh, it's just we, we all kind of know about Brian Wilson and his, his uh, personal demons. Like quite interesting. Just how low he goes. <laughs> not, not quite. Ma- not quite Miles Davis, but you know, not quite Mamas and Papas level. It was a laugh a minute, Alistair Aspinall. <laughs> If you're not traumatised by the end of it, then it's not fun. And that is all we have time for this evening. So thanks, everyone, for all of your opinions. We have one more regular episode left in this season. We'll have a guest starring next week. We will then do a special, the third special. Dust off your copy of This Nation's Saving Grace, Era Fall, uh, for that one. Uh, But in the meantime, keep it frosty, keep them clean, and just wipe one way. Bye. Cheers. Here we go.
Gracias.